Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. Welcome to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. here with my co-host, my ride and live, D.C. Marshall. D.C., how you doing? Uh, you know what? I'm having an amazing day. Hey, friend. Hey, I'm having an amazing day, too. And today we're talking about one of our favorite topics because it's what we do every day. How can I shine my light? Uh, and the, our guest today is a perfect example of what we're talking about. I mean, a uh, risk taker. Uh, she's in the field of entertainment. She, I could think we could describe her as a legend, as an icon. When you look at all the amazing things that she's done, mm-hmm. uh, actor mm-hmm. Billy Porter refers to her as a force of nature, which, you know, I work with you, so, so I know what that's like to be working with a force of nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's just the perfect person to talk about when just by shining your light, really bringing a light to the world. What say mm-hmm. you, Dave? Uh, yes. And you know what? When you said shining the light or shining a light, I'm thinking that could mean several different things. But I love that what we already know about um, about our guest today is she's a giant. She is, uh, you know, I think about words like giant. I think about words and themes like impact, um, le- living legend, uh, yes. genius, just there's just so much. And so shining a light. Uh, it doesn't mean necessarily spotlight, uh, but it does mean shining, uh, I think, in so many ways. And she just, uh, I, I don't even know how we describe her. What do they refer to her as? Uh, we call her, man, a self-proclaimed risk taker. But that, it goes beyond that. Music's executive, visionary, there you philanthropist. Go. There you go. It's like it's almost the, the introduction would, would take a whole segment of the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but um, she was raised in the Black Baptist Church. Again, be lifted up your God, living an abundant life. Yeah. Uh, and knew early that music was a part of her DNA. Um, and since then, I mean, we will let her tell her own story, but an accomplished history at the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers, also known as ASCAP, Polygram Records, Sony Music. Launched her own company, Time Zone International, which is a marketing and promotions company that helps U.S. artists with their careers. So shining your light also help, means helping other people to shine theirs as well. Um, and of course, anybody who knows anything about music, um, particularly in, in the Black community, knows about her husband, music director Ray Chu, their company, Chu Entertainment, Um the Power to Inspire Foundation, which speaks to the philanthropy. Listen, I, I think we need to stop telling about her and bring her in. Please welcome in. to Be Lifted Up Radio, the one and only Vivian Chu. Thank you. Wow. What an That's introduction. What we say. Wow. Wow. <laughs> no. Wow. What an wow. introduction. Thank you so much, Alfred. And thank you, Dee. It's good to meet you, Alfred. It's good to see you again, Dee. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm going to let Alfred lead this uh, conversation because I know some of what you do. Certainly, there's no way to know all of what you do, but I do know you're such a champion, a genius, a giver, a doer, a visionary, a living legend. You 
um, individually and then you as a party of two or a team with your husband, but you um, specifically. So Alfred, what yeah, say you? I, I just want to hear more about the journey. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> tell me about the journey to become Vivian Chu. Wow. Well, Vivian Chu, formerly Vivian Scott, originally Vivian Murphy, was uh, born in uh, the little hamlet of Far Rockaway, Queens. And if you're not from the five boroughs or from Queens, you have no idea what Far Rockaway is, but it's the most remote part of Queens that you could ever be in. But it was a little beach town. And um, we were... Uh, there's a lot of like Kelly Price is from Far Rockaway, MC Search is from Far Rockaway. So there's some creators from Far Rockaway, but it was a very interesting place where I grew up where it was literally divided by a railroad track. So white people, specifically Hasidic Jews, lived on one side and we lived on the other. And uh, growing up, my mother really did not like that division. So she decided to throw me into a whole other world that I knew nothing about, which was to go to an all-white Jewish private school <laughs> and uh, called Woodmere Academy. And uh, But she also knew that she had to give me balance. And since so she was the secretary of the church, my father was the uh, head of the trustee board. Church was where I was every single possible moment that I wasn't in school. And, you know, I, I, like as any little kid, you know, I didn't want to hear what the preacher had to say and I would fall asleep. But when the music started, that's what really ministered to me. And so my, that's what planted the seed for me. Um, I saw the emotional reaction that people had when they heard music. And I I just knew from a very, very early age that I was going to be some part of that as someone who can't sing or play. <laughs> so I had to buy my corner of the sky and it turned out that I became the business manager for our church choir. And so being behind the scenes was where I found is my, my sweet spot. That's my gift. So that's how it all started. Wow, wow. So you're already leaning into one of my favorite topics because as a longtime editor and executive of Black Enterprise, I'm always like, tell me the business side. And you're in that business of music. You went into the, the business side. What was it like for you? You started out as the business manager of a church choir, but you obviously you've done so much. We talk about Polygram Records, ASCAP. Talk about that journey once you got on the path of the business side of music, which is the real, the, the, what really drives sure. Um Sure. And especially for you as a, a again, a, a young black girl, from far Rockaway, Queens, going into a world that's not necessarily looking for young Black girls from far Rockaway. Well, here's the blessing. I had an older Black girl that gave me my my first shot, uh, entertainment attorney Louise West. And uh, it was, well, I don't believe in circumstance. So it was just meant to be that I walked into her office to interview for one of her law partners, And she wasn't looking for someone. And I, on my way out, saw that she was juggling phones and the phone on the desk outside of her her, uh, door was ringing. And I said, what's your name? She said, Louise West. And I picked up the phone and I said, hi, Louise West office, may I help you? And once we finished the conversation, I said, I'm looking for a job. (laughs) And she hired me. <laughs> so that's a great lesson of you know you get in where you fit in and and I've definitely carried that throughout my 
my journey. And Louise is still uh, my mentor. She's hired me three times. I've been without a job. Uh, she's brought me back in. And Louise told, taught me the importance of administration and that the money in the music business is in the publishing. It's real estate. And as long as you have that, you can pass it on. It becomes your legacy. It becomes what your children's children are going to, you know, have land to, you know, build their first uh, house on. And Louise has been a constant through my life. And uh, there was a job opening at ASCAP. And I didn't even know what ASCAP was. I just knew it was those letters in the parentheses that I saw at the end of every song on the back of, a, you know, on the credits on a record and uh, she she gave me a crash course on what performing rights was about. And when the job opened there, that was really my first, I call it my first executive job because I had my own office and I had somebody to answer my phone at that time. And uh, I'm, I'm really proud of my, my time at ASCAP because I was able to create the ASCAP Rhythm and Soul Awards, which if I calculate, it's over 30 years now that it's been uh, in existence and, and it gives me so much joy when I go to see the awards every year and I see they go up and they get that award like it's their Grammy. So that makes me uh, very, very proud of that part of my entree into the music business. What a story. Uh, what a story. You talk about going going for it or boss moves or gangster or shoot your shot. That's what is shoot your shot. Pick up this phone and uh, I call it demonstrating capability. I'm, I'm not the best salesperson, but I do well demonstrate capability, whatever it is. So I love that you gave us that lesson. Now, you all know this is a show about faith and finances, faith and finances. And so we have the pleasure of uh, interviewing and talking with amazing giants and geniuses and legends, living legends and experts and culture leaders who are also people of faith. And so we're talking to Vivian and she started us off with her backstory and just being raised in the Black Baptist Church in terms of where she found her genius. And so, um, so Vivian, we're going to go back into this conversation and, you know, just, uh, you know, kind of where you are now and sort of what you are doing uh, now. We know you're bi-coastal and uh, you've got a lot of projects between yourself and your your husband and your companies. Mm -hmm. I think even I've heard things about mentorship. So what's happening uh, in your world today? Uh, wow, a lot. I will mm -hmm. tell you a lot of seeds that I have planted, I am now sowing. And mm -hmm. I think the one that is, there are two that are important to me. Uh, but when you talk about mentorship, that's probably the one that I wanted to really talk the most about is talk about being a light. You know, I mean, literally one day Ray and I, we had gotten a phone call to do a job that we had no idea that anybody would have called us to do. And I remember saying to him, you know, wow, we are so blessed. And, you know, we have really got to pass this blessing on. We had two very unique skill sets. I'm behind the scenes. He's very out front. He's the uh, music creator. I'm the supporter of creatives. And so we decided to come up with a foundation. This was in um, ooh, 2013. Yeah, so we're going on our 10th year. I came up with the name Power to Inspire. The number two is, is intentional because it's Ray and I. But then also how it just takes one-on-one -on -one with someone else, you know, mm -hmm. that you can change their lives. Like I said earlier, you know, it was Louise West who just one-on-one -on -one said, I'm going to take a shot with you. 
So we decided to do master classes and be mentors and all these wonderful things. And then in 2019, I said, we need to open this up and do an internship mentor uh, program. Great. Went, secured five positions in the New York City area, uh, record label, attorney's office, performing arts, wonderful, ready to go. March 13th, 2020 happens. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. Oh, wow. And what I thought was going to shut us down actually elevated us. Oh. And what happened was instead of offering this to five young people, we had 25 because we did it virtually. And also in response to the murders of, of Mr. Floyd and, and Ms. Brianna Taylor and, and all the other ones that we've lost, we decided to pivot and make this program specifically for black and brown children. Mm-hmm. So even though Power to Inspire is there to support any young person who aspires to be in the music industry, this summer program is for our babies. Mm-hmm. So the first year we did it, we had no idea what we were doing. Zoom was shutting down. It was, it was, mm-hmm. just, we didn't know we only had 45 minutes you know, before they elongated it. It was crazy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we were in the middle of a pandemic and we were in the middle of everything else happening. And, and, uh, yeah, but we did it. And so this is going to be our fourth year and we have uh, broadened it. Uh, we now give scholarships to young people who need assistance. We are starting something called Backstage Pass, which mm. is going to be a uh, once a month. Uh, last Thursday of every month, we start April 26, where we showcase someone in the industry, whether they're a creative or behind the scenes person to basically give a, a virtual masterclass. And our first speaker will be none other than my husband, Ray Chu. And it's an extension of what we what we know we're supposed to do. You know, Ray and I, I laugh and I say, you know, we're in this third quarter looking and seeing what fourth quarter is going to look like. And, you know, that means we got to find some first quarter, you know, starters and players. And so that's what Power to Inspire is. You're really talking about legacy. Um, we talk about on this show, multi-generational wealth. And that's mm-hmm. not just money. It's passing on our wisdom. It's passing mm-hmm. on planting the new seeds for the next harvest. And we know mm-hmm. that harvest is people. This is the next harvest of people to, to advance the kingdom, to advance the good in the world. And uh, right. so, and Dee and, and I both are very passionate about mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very serious about it um, because it is it's a it's a rewarding pursuit when you see these people take on their roles and and, and achieve leadership positions and do That's things right. that advance beyond what we might have even imagined. Uh, and, and if you don't mind, can I yes, just add please. one thing? Because it was something just piggybacking what you said that's important, you know, and about financial literacy and all of that. And just really investing in human real estate is what we're doing. And so um, we have three lanes in our program. It's singer, songwriter, um, musician, producer and music exec. And it's interesting that the music executive kids are very focused. They're very, very focused about their money. <laughs> And they're planning and all of that. And sometimes the creatives just get really caught up in being creative and understanding that part of it. So our mentors are not only in how to be creative, but we have financial literacy people. We have people who talk about law. We have um, very behind the scenes people. We have mental health therapists. Mm -hmm. Uh, We found that a lot of these, particularly in 2020, you had Young black kids who didn't know what was going on. You know, they were told if you go outside, you're going to die. And then we had young black men who were witnessing all these things that were going on. So we we identified very early that we had to make sure that the young people that God had put in our possession, 
Mm-hmm. that we had to make sure that there was a 360 degree view in making them good people, not mm-hmm. only just good creatives. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention that, Alfred. Thank no, you. that's very, very important. That's very important. Critical. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And before we go to break, and, and perhaps when we come out of break, I do want to talk with you about and have you share more about the way the industry works and your application of how you do what you do as a woman of faith. You already touched on some of it is what you're doing with these young people um, mm-hmm. that guides what you decide to do and what you don't decide to do. I mean, obviously yeah. it is, yeah. is your office, a bunch of options. Um, but as a woman of faith who is actually pursuing ministries, multiple ministries, in my opinion, um, in your, in the work that you do, what is the kind of the guiding factor that, that helps you and your husband decide what to do and what not to do. We learned very early on that all money ain't good money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we learned that the hard way. <laughs> but, you know, first of all, coming together, I mean, we are married. We, this year makes 26 years. Oh. And um, so <laughs> thank you. And to just try to figure out what our balance is, you know, and how we're going to work together because we are wired very differently. I'm the person that's juggling a lot of balls and get stuff done. And he's the person that does one thing at a time and still gets the same amount of things done. I don't know how he does that. But um, we very early on decided to go with what we felt was right. Mm -hmm. And so we said almost as many no's as we've said yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it was all about, you use the term that we use a lot. It's about kingdom building. Uh And how are we going to let people see more of God and less of us. That's our prayer before we go to any meeting together. Uh, we do an amazing show in Carnegie Hall called A Night of Inspiration. We hold hands before we walk on the stage and say, God, please let them see more of you and less of us because we're human and we're faulted. And people are going to go on Google and pick things and have things to say, and that's fine. Yeah. But I just really, really hope that the light that we both very much carry inside of us is, is illuminated and people see that more than they see us. You know, you're talking about seeing more of God and less of us. I mean, that was my major mm-hmm. prayer coming out of 2020. You know, yes. in, in 2020, I said it was big me, little God in there. Then it was me and God. And I said, my goal going forward was big God and then a little me inside there. Um, as, as we go to break and when we come out of it, I, I do want you to do, talk a little bit more about that in an industry, meaning the music industry, the entertainment industry as a whole, that is very much driven by people wanting to be, I want them to see me. I want it to be about me. I want my brand to be big. And, you know, there are things that people will do, um, including some things that aren't necessarily good for them to make sure that they are who are seen. And obviously, as, as, as people of faith, it's the opposite. Yes, we want to do well, but we're not doing well so they can shine on us, but on others. So right. we're about to go to break. This is Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. We're here with the amazing Vivian Scott Chu. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Be Lifted Up Radio. I'm here with Vivian Scott Chu. And Vivian, before we went to break, you talked about um, you and your husband's prayer for people to see God, more of God and less of you, which is almost seems counterintuitive in an industry, the entertainment industry, the music industry, where self-promotion, you know, where the people are doing it out of their own personal egos or they feel that's what they need to do to succeed is the order of the day. Talk about what it's like to operate on that value system that you and your husband operate from 
yet still achieve great success? Well, you know, it's e- I mean, Ray and I are just not those out front people. You know, he, you see him on the stage, you see him on TV, you see him conducting, but we're really very cautious of our personal time and our personal space. Um, we look for opportunities where we can do the good work very subliminally, you know, we're able to get some messages through. But one of the opportunities where we get our message really loud is on the stage of Carnegie Hall. And uh, we are very blessed to be able to partner with Carnegie on a show entitled The Night of Inspiration. And how that came about was in 2009, the late great Jesse Norman was doing a, a series of shows in partnership with Carnegie around the city. And they brought in Ray because all due respect to Lady Norman, she was a, an interesting character to work with, very particular, very meticulous, very intentional. And so they needed someone to sort of be a go-between between them and her to translate her creative vision, but to also make her understand the business of it all. And so Ray ended up being her music director at the Apollo doing uh, her show. It was called Honor. And she ended it with the song Total Praise by Maestro Richard Smallwood. And I was standing in the wings and I peeked out and I saw, and I mean, for anybody who's been to the Apollo Theater, you know, it goes up very vertical, very high, all the way to the third tier. Everybody was standing up, hands up, some with tears coming down, but feeling something. And I walked away and said, wow, that was really a night of inspiration, wasn't it? Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) So Carnegie then came to us and said, we need to diversify. You know, we need to diversify. Our audience has gotten older. Uh, the audience uh, typically for Carnegie did not look like us, which is not how it always was. Right, there used right. to be a lot of Black programming at Carnegie. And for some reason that I'm not quite sure of, sort of went away. But they were at least astute enough to identify that they needed to bring people that look like us there. And we said, well, part of the reason is because you just don't have the programming. I mean, you know, I like a good symphony every once in a while, but that's not where I'm going to spend my money. Uh, And uh, they said, well, bring us what you got. So in 2010, we did Night of Inspiration the first time. And we uh, last December made the fourth iteration of it. But they've also brought us in to produce some of their various different events. But Night of Inspiration is when we bring in artists from all different genres, on the stage, very faith-based, starting from Queen Shirley Caesar to Richard Smallwood, Fred Hammond, uh, B.B. and C.C. Winans. We even had Fred Hammond duet with Michael McDonald. And that's one of the things we do. We put together very unique pairings. Uh, We've had uh, Tina Campbell, Ja'Kalen Carr, Ty Tribbett, but also Anthony Hamilton and Oh, my goodness. Patty Griffin, who's a country artist, uh, a cantor, cantor Ozzy Schwartz from the Park Avenue Synagogue, who is a tenor, sing with a tenor from the Met by the name of Lawrence Brownlee. And we have an international slant. We have a, a violinist named um, Olan Sassari, who plays with Shirley Caesar. We had uh, uh, the Cape Town South Africa Gospel Group come. And all of this is backed by a 150-voice mass choir and a 64-piece orchestra. So it's a wow. big, big show. And uh, our first year, 
We took a bloodbath financially <laughs> because, you know, as producer, my job is to bring my husband's creative vision to life. And sometimes his vision was bigger than the budget, but we made it happen. But then fortunately, moving forward, sponsors and supporters of ours see what we are trying to do. And we've been able to come out of that. And uh, at the end of the night to just stand there and see the same thing that we saw at the Apollo, but at Carnegie Hall a place that you would never really think that this was going to happen uh, has been great. And, and I, I feel like proud fairy godmother when I see, you know, D-Nice on the stage with an orchestra. Last night, I just saw Lettucey do the songs of Nina Simone to a sold out crowd, um, to new audiences that were being exposed to her that had no idea even who she was. They came because it was the music of Nina Simone all the way up to Monday, Buster Rhymes is going to be at Carnegie Hall and there's going to be celebrations all through the year for the 50th anniversary of hip hop. So we have arrived back at Carnegie and then I, I feel that Ray and I had a lot to do with that. I want to, again, speaking as a business journalist, a business editor, but again, a man of faith, I want to spend a little bit of time because it's an act of faith to try something the first time, have it, again, not work financially, to literally <laughs> say, but this is so important that while we're taking a short-term loss, it's an act of faith to believe in the long-term gain, the long-term potential for profitability, financial and otherwise. So many people would have said, no, nah, this isn't going to work. This, I took this first step. This first step was a doozy. I'm not taking a second one. Talk right. about what that means as a person of faith to be able to say, no, it didn't look pretty on paper right. or on the ledger, but the vision that your husband had, that both of you had, for what this could be, meant you go forward anyway. Well, we knew it was God's plan. Yes. Because I, we knew it was his plan. And we knew that if he planted the seed in us, that he was going to give us every single resource that we needed. It was just not in our time. <laughs> I, it I, was in his time. his time. So he said, you know, you're going to do this and you're going to learn the mistakes and you're going to know what not to do the next time around. And I think, um, Alfred, it's really important to work with people who you're equally yoked with. I'm married to someone that I'm equally yoked with and to just bring in and have people um, who shared the vision, who would say, you know what, here's my rate, but I see what you're trying to do. And I'm just going to donate my time. It was just overwhelming how many people just wanted to be a part and wanted to see us be successful. And this last year, we were able to bring some of our power to inspire interns in to sing. Uh, Ray's conductor's assistant was one of our young people from the Manhattan School of Music. We had uh, our pianist was from Juilliard. We had young people who were talent escorts. We had people in production. So we used about 15 of our young people that we are mentoring so that they could see how to do it. So we can just pass the baton on to them. You know, it's amazing how, and I'm seeing this in aspects of my own life. I have different things going on in different spaces of my life. But if I stay focused on my purpose in God, somehow all those things start fitting together in ways that I did not imagine at the time That's that I embarked right. on those different endeavors, you know, whether it's my work at Black Enterprise on um, much right. of what I'm doing in Chicago. So it, it, I, I just listening to between night inspiration and power to inspire. And of course, the journey that both you and your husband have taken to get to where you are. And like you said, all of that came together to make what you're doing magic. 
And, you know, to that point, I'll just tell you something quickly that happened last night. I was at the Lettucey show, bumped into a, a woman who I remembered worked at Bloomingdale's. And she said, hey, do you remember me? And I was like, can I do? I just can't picture your name. She goes, I go to Community Baptist Church, same church as you. And you saw me one day in Bloomingdale. She was working in cosmetics. And you came up to me and said, are you having a good day? Because I had just saw her for a second in a moment. And so you having a good day? And we struck up a conversation, never saw her again. Fast forward, I see her last night. And she says, remember me? I work for MasterCard now. Who's one of Carnegie's top sponsors? MasterCard. That's God. That's, 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 that's the favor of God. That is the favor of God. And yes. you know what? <laughs> that is the point of what it means to shine your light. You shine from the inside, right? You illuminate from the inside of who you are in Christ all those years ago. And it converted and translated to fast forward. In fact, you started the show and you said it, Vivian. You said, I'm, I've sown and now I'm in a season of harvesting. That is a beautiful manifestation of harvest. You sowed into her in just in a light and shining your light. And she remembered. And so we saw the manifestation of how it is that you or God allows all of us to sow into other people, into other things, to to sow our talent, to sow our love, to sow our light into others and how it beautifully manifests. And so I love, Vivian, that you now have more harvesting of new things. Can you talk about your doula work? Like, can you educate us, give us insight? What are you doing and what is this? Yeah, yeah. Well, a little known fact, because it's something that um, I don't talk about often, because uh, talking about death is not an easy thing for people. I don't think that people fear death. I think people fear dying. But there is a wonderful woman that's in the same space that I'm in. And I heard her say something very prolific. She said, if you talk about sex, you don't get pregnant. If you talk about death, you don't die. And it is important for us, particularly in our community, where it tends to be a very taboo conversation to talk about what is that going to look like? You know, and uh, I knew very, very early on in growing up in the church, my mother was a secretary, so she always had to open up the church for the mortician to bring the bodies in. And this was before there was anything called pre-K. So I was too young to go to school. So I would go to work with her every day. And I always felt like those bodies in those boxes, which is what I call them, were lonely. And that's how I learned how to read because she would give me a book and say, we'll go read to them. And of course the, the top would be down, but my association with death, the many times that I've been the last person to be around someone who passes on and, and, and you know, uh, transitions, I've always found to be such a beautiful, honorable moment. And uh, I had no idea what an end-of-life doula was. Um, Everybody is more familiar with what doulas are, which are primarily women who work with midwives and women who are giving birth. End-of-life doulas, we have many male end-of-life doulas actually in my practice. We are there when it is the time to be honorable to someone's request on how they want to see their last months, weeks, moments. It's a very intimate thing. And what I've been able to do, Dean and Alfred, which is beautiful, is that I've been able to really fuse 
the two things that I do as a person who is involved in music, as well as in the end of life space is that I use music a lot. Um, there is a fact, it is a, is a known fact that music where it's stored in your brain is stored in the part of your brain that's the last to go. So your memory, your memory of music is there. And so I encourage people, you know, when you're putting together, you talk about finances, Alfred, and you, you have your, your life insurance policy and you have all your stuff together, have a playlist because that playlist of the music that inspires you, I've seen it just work literally miracles of people who we know, who we hear their breathing in shallow, who we can hear death rattles, all of that. And you put on something that the family has told me is meaningful for them. You just see it. So the power of music is really the power of God. It's just using notes to make it happen. And so this is a very, very personal journey for me. And unfortunately, being in places, being in hospices that I didn't feel were conducive to what people personally wanted to do. I am now working on opening up end of life centers so that people can go and they can be with their families and they can ride it out the way that they want to, as opposed to the way that institutions say that you have to do it. So that's okay. the next. So this, for me. this is me with my mind totally blown. because <laughs> I, I have never before this conversation heard of an end of life doula. And I'm so glad that I'm hearing it from you because you're explaining Great. it in such a lovely, yes. amazingly powerful way. Yes. This is like a whole new topic. Like, oh my goodness. I don't know where we're going to talk about this, but this is <laughs> brand spanking new. Yeah. Stuff. I mean, yes. I, but we, but, but we've been dying forever. And guess yes. what? Yes. That's the one thing that, you know, you say, what, we're going to pay our taxes and we're going right. to die. Okay, but questions for clarity. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you said you're going to open up centers. Now, how is this different or unique from hospice? And then can you talk about the centers? Like, is this a place? Is it an outpatient or out? Mm -hmm. Or do we go and stay there? Can you talk about that a little bit more? you You don't come out. There's a difference between palliative care, which is when you want to sustain someone, you know, who is got cancer or, or, you know, any other uh, affliction like that. End of life is end of life. It means that this is the last place you're going to go. There are a lot of end of life doulas that work individually in people's homes. I choose not to do that. Um, I have a problem in going to someone's very personal space. It feels a little invasive just for me. It just doesn't work for me. And the reason what's, it is a hospice of sorts, but I have only been in one hospice in my entire life. It's called East End. It's in East Hampton that is very holistic and really thinks about little things like rather than them having heaters that come from the bottom up, their heat goes from the top down. And so it's almost like feeling sun on you all the time as you're transitioning. There's lots of, they've made their doors open up to terraces that are wide enough that you can roll someone's bed out and they're outside and they can be with nature. So they very much, and they also think about the caregivers, families, people are sad. They don't want to see their loved ones go. How do you comfort them. And then you have the people that work there that all day long, all they see is grief and sorrow and anger and resentment and all of these things that come up at the end of someone's life. 
How do we take care of them too? So it's three layers for me. It's the person who's transitioning, the family who's going through it, and then those beautiful people who every day give their lives to give comfort to people who are going through this. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I want to just say thank you because like Alfred, um, you know, this was educational for us and we love when we are um, expanding and evolving as people and sort of just uh, growth and development in terms of how we live and quality um, of life. Uh, So this was so, so very um, helpful. So it's a place that we go I could see that. I could see how some of us are not ready to take our loved ones in. It's like, you know, right now we have, um, I think, a big case in the public domain, a former president, right, who has decided, okay, uh, I want to go home and has all of the opportunity to prepare a place, a wing, a home, but not everybody would have that luxury. So it sounds like, you know, this is the place. And and also I, I like the multi-leveled approach, talking to families mm-hmm. who don't want to see their loved ones go. Or I think also there's a scary thing for, you know, for black folks. This is a cultural thing. Oh, absolutely. Do you want the people, <laughs> do you want your loved ones to die in your house? Well, you so right. Um, right. Wow. But you know what, Dee? You kept using the word place, place, place. And the name and, and I own the trademark of place of grace. Oh, so yes. that's what the yes. first one we're you know we're gonna I'm gonna do one and uh from that there will be several but it's 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 a place of grace okay awesome you'll keep us posted on Absolutely. this place of grace uh we would yes. love to I just see again um all people but particularly our folks uh being mm-hmm. educated about like you said Vivian a, a topic that we just really don't want to talk about but this is now uh just expands us and helps us to trust in the process we're all going to go mm-hmm. but we have options so thank you so much for that Alfred what were you going to say oh only that I can't think of a better person and I speak mm. of you as a woman of God because our willingness to embrace death as not the final chapter is a foundational fundamental of our faith walk. Um, if, right. if we have really, you know, committed and trust in Jesus Christ as our savior, that means death is not the final chapter. That's, but that's not always easy to wrestle with when it actually happens. So that's the right. idea that you felt, you know, called, moved by God to say, listen, I want to create this new concept to help people mm-hmm. make this transition and help the families and the caregivers who are involved in it do that. To me, that sounds like the ultimate God-given vision. Uh, and I'm just thankful that you're pursuing it with the degree of commitment and passion and emotional commitment that, that you are displaying here, even explaining it to us. Uh, again, my mind is blown. My heart is open. <laughs> Um, oh, and I'm, I'm, so we have to have a side conversation. We definitely need to have some more conversations <laughs> and, and do what we can to expose this concept to more audiences. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity and the platform. Thank you. I hope everybody will be lifted. I believe they will be. I believe they All will. All right. Thank you. Woo. Another great episode of Be Lifted Up Radio. I'm here with DC Marshall. Thank you, Vivian, for being part of this show. We want to stay in touch with everything that you're doing. Um, what's the best way for us to, to follow you, whether it's on social, on your website, whatever? Really simple. Everything's on Vivian Scott Shoe across Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Excellent, excellent. Uh, you're listening to another great edition of Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. 
I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. with D.C. Marshall. We'll be right back. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life.